We want to look different than the world. And we know that it starts on the inside. This is nothing that we can produce in our own strength, in our own flesh. We cannot produce what, what's being talked about, what your word describes as a spirit-filled life. It's only you working on the inside, God. So I pray that you would help us to yield to you so that you might be seen on our external the way that you desire to be seen. Uh, we pray this morning as we look into your word that you'd help us to listen intently to what you have for us. What is it about our heart that can either take us astray or draw us closer to you, God? So I would pray that um, you would help us to listen now as Pastor Matt comes. I pray that you give him strength and clarity of thought as he brings your word to us today. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. That was a sweet time of worship. Amen. Thank you, AJ, and the rest of the team, and it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to gather together and, and sometimes just close my eyes and listen to you all. It's awesome. There's a picture of us being in heaven with myriads doing that. It's awesome. Got some announcements. Tonight, baptisms, right? My granddaughter's getting baptized. Yeah, that's good times. And then there's also child dedications. My grandson's getting dedicated. I'm, I'm, you know, I know that as I throw that out there, that seemed very selfish, and it, and it was. <laughs> group Connect is next week, so we can start getting plugged into our small groups. You can start getting plugged into ministry as the fall kicks off. We're excited about that. If you're newer with us to Salem Heights Church, it's a great time to be able to connect. Um, and so please uh, take advantage of that the next two weeks as we're going to be a part of Group Connect. And if you have any questions, we want to answer those. Men's Breakfast next Saturday. Men, we'd love to have you there. And we're going to have a little preview of our new accommodations for men's retreat. So AJ and I are going over and do a little filming of this new camp we're going to. Twin Rocks, January 11th, 12th, and 13th for men's retreat. And I talked to Ken Witten from uh, Florida a couple days ago. He's excited to come out. Um, we had 200 guys there last year. So, men, I'm giving you this early, Jan January you know, 11th, 12th, and 13th. And I really think you're going to like the new accommodations. And there's no, like, dirt to, to navigate, you know, like roots and things. Uh, it's going to be a lot better. So I want you guys to be able to see those accommodations next Saturday if you come to breakfast. And we'll also start having those in Salem Heights today so you can see where, where we're headed. It's going to be great. Men's growth also, those with, with Group Connect, and over the next couple weeks, we're going to start having registration for the men to be able to jump into John's study or Galatians study or James' study or First and Second Thessalonians study to be able to grow together as men, to be able to get in the Word together as men and, and have God sharpen us and be the men we're supposed to be. Oh, I want to share something with you guys. So last week, I got to preach over at West Salem Baptist Church. Here's why. Um, we're working with them to start another Most Excellent Way group at their church. We're helping them. And so I was presenting Titus 3, 3 through 8 um, to be able to, to, to help that congregation as we're about to launch a Most Excellent Way group over there. Now, if you don't know what the Most Excellent Way is, that's our Diction Victory group that's on Monday nights at 7 p.m. And we're watching Life Transformation. And, and you already saw a little preview of a picture that came up, right? You guys got to see a little picture there. It's coming up. This has been a blessed awesome week and a very difficult week together. You ever had those? Like I got to do a wedding yesterday for uh, Stephen and Leslie. You want to pull that up? Pull that, pull that. Okay, look at that. Isn't that a great picture? Isn't that great? Now when Stephen came to the most excellent way on Monday nights a little over three years ago, his name was Hakeem. He had accepted Islam in prison 
and he accepted Jesus Christ as personal Savior several months after starting Come to the Most Excellent Way. Okay? And Leslie, when she came to the Most Excellent Way, had just come into the Samanka place because she was homeless. She was a drug addict. Now, if you just saw that picture and I didn't share that with you, you guys would never have known that, right? Transformed hearts, folks. Because the gospel met them where they were at, and God changed their hearts. If you pull up the next picture, now this is pretty awesome. Hey, there's our Matt Macera, right? He's, he's down in Brazil right now. Matt Macera, six years ago, five years ago, used to pace outside the doors of the most excellent way on Monday nights, high on methamphetamines. He dealt methamphetamines all over this city, and he has no problem with me sharing this with you because what he does now in this city is, instead of being a dope dealer, can you see his shirt? He's a hope dealer. Transformed hearts. And we're going to look at hearts today, and if you want to get a preview, you can get into your, your Bible there as we're doing this. Luke chapter 8, we're going to go there. He has led three gang leaders to Christ in Brazil. He's still there. He, and in the midst of that, we're giving God the glory, and he would say, hey, it's, not, it's God flowing through me, right? But he's been, he's been uh, doing some Facebook stuff to me privately and saying, hey, another gang leader just came to Christ. Hey, another gang leader just came to Christ. Over 60-some-odd people have come to Christ as they've been street ministry there. He's with Reed Saunders down there sharing the gospel. Isn't that awesome? I've known him since he was 15 years old, his twin brother, and he used to come to our uh, youth group. And it was just about five years ago he finally yielded his life to Christ. If you go to the next picture, this young man was part of our youth group. He is now with our Savior. He passed away from cancer here just a few days ago. We did a celebration of life service yesterday at uh, Salem Tennis and Swim. There's probably about 500, 600 people came out for that. Brent Wheeler, nice kid, sweet spirit, loves the Lord. He's with our Savior. If you knew him growing up, really good athlete, like, like one of the best tennis players in the state for four years straight at Sprague High School. His whole family, just really great athletes. Knowing him growing up, we heard a lot of stories last night about what a cut-up he was and how he was always teasing people, pulling pranks. You know, he, he, had, he, he was a little squirrely. You could use that word, squirrely, right? But what cancer revealed here over the last nine months was a deep faith in Christ. Uh, a man who loved the Lord, loves the Lord, sees the Lord. Transformed heart. Transformed heart. That's where we're going to be today. I want to thank the Calm team, the Celebrated Life Ministry, because last night that was a big outing at Salem Tennis and Swim, and you ladies and the men that came and, and everybody that came from Salem Heights Church that helped them, uh, there was a lot of unsafe folks that came to that that do not know our Savior personally, okay? And they came and they watched God's love get poured out on them in the way that you all came out. Amazing. We got... We got um, Darlene Hunter's service coming up on September 8th, a, la a lady that was a part of this ministry who, who has gone to be with the Lord. And I'll tell you what, she loved sharing the gospel with people. We're going to celebrate her life. There's all kinds of stuff happening. And here's something that struck me last night sitting at, at the, you guys are getting, you know, you're getting uh, stuff that I didn't write down, okay? <laughs> like, I didn't sleep well last night, folks. I was so excited about this. It was like being a little kid going on a fishing trip. I was so excited about this. 
I, I was struck at the wedding, and I was struck last night at the service. Life is so precious. Life is precious. And we don't have the time to have our hearts hardened or have our hearts shallow or have our hearts entangled with this world system. We don't have the time for that. There's not that much time here. Life is precious. Let's pray together and we'll look at Luke chapter 8. Father, thank you for everybody here and anybody that's listening and for folks all over the world that, that right now is we got a team down in Brazil. I just thank you for what you're doing in lives as the gospel has gone forth, as you've saved souls, as you bring us together to worship. What a wonderful time to be able to worship back to you. What a wonderful time to be able to get into your word and have it impact our hearts, our minds. To have this mind which was first in Christ Jesus is what your word says. That's what we want. So we're asking for it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Luke chapter 8, you guys there? I'm not. We're going to get there, though. Luke chapter 8. We're going to read verses 1 through 15. Are you with me? And that's a great sound, hearing Bibles, pages turning. It's really good. Even if I hear your phone clicking, I'm fine with that, too. You want to stand with me in honor of God's word? We'll read this together. And if you can't stand, don't worry about that. That's, but. Soon afterwards, he began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stewart, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. When a large crowd was coming together, and those from the various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of parable. The sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant, and he said, to you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those besides the road are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who were when they, who, when they heard here receive the word with joy and these have no firm root they believe for a while and in a time of temptation fall away the seed which fell among the thorns are the ones who have heard and as they go on their way they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity but the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. You believe that Jesus really said those things? Yes. He did. Amen. You may be seated. 
Now, I've been chewing on this for like, for like months, getting ready. We've been, working through the, we've been working through the heart of the issue with the men on Sunday mornings at, at, at 7 a.m., and we just got done with six weeks there. And then we've been working with the heart of the issue with the careers group. And, and so we've been kind of focusing on the heart in several different places in this church. And here we are Sunday morning. In the last two weeks, we focused on the heart. Tim did a great job a couple weeks ago. And then Pastor Carl last week, right? He talked about Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Susanna, right, last week. And so here we are in Luke chapter 8, 1 through 15. Look at the front of your, your bulletin there. It says, the person is what their heart is. If this be dead to God, then nothing in that person is alive. If this be right with God, all will be right. As the mainspring of a watch sets its wheels and parts in motion, so as a person thinks in their heart, so is he or she, Proverbs 23, 7. If the heart be right, the actions will be right. As a person's heart is, such is their state now and will be hereafter. If it be regenerated and sanctified, there will be a life of faith and holiness in the world, and everlasting life will be enjoyed in the world to come. Therefore, rather look to the cleansing of thine heart than to the cleansing of thy well. Rather look to the feeding of thine heart than to the feeding of thy flock. Rather look to the defending of thine heart than to the defending of thine house. Rather look to the keeping of thine heart than the keeping of thy money. The heart is that which controls and gives character to all what we do. So keep guard over our heart or soul. Is, so to keep guard over our heart or soul is the great work of which God has assigned us. However, the enablement is his, but the duty is ours. A.W. Pink wrote that, came across it a while back. I liked it. Proverbs 4.23 says, to watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. So this is all throughout the scripture, this talk about the heart. It's an issue that all of us must come to grips with in our own heart as we go before God. And so the picture here is awesome in Luke chapter 8, because what Jesus is saying, as he has Mary Magdalene there, who had seven demons. I don't know how you behave when you have seven demons, but it seems like it might be hardened it might be really messed up. You have Joanna and Susanna there, and as you're dealing with these different hearts that are there in the ladies, you, you have those who had wealth, you have those that have been sick, you have all kinds of different hearts showing up there just in the ladies. But did you know when we think about the disciples that were listening to all this, that there was all kinds of different hearts showing up in the disciples too? Let's think about that for just a second. We won't go through all 12, but what do you think Judas's heart was like? Hardened? Yes. What was Peter's heart like? You know, Peter had this habit. He would write a check with his mouth that his faith couldn't cash. You ever, you ever see that? Peter made a statement like this. Even if all of these, pointing to the rest of the disciples, fall away, I will not fall away. I won't run away. I'm ready to die with you. Peter made that statement. Remember that? And Jesus said to him, are you ready to die with me, Peter? Do you know that tonight you're going to deny me? Peter might have had a shallow heart. Even though he knew the truth, what we see is at a certain point, something needed to change in Peter's heart because he had a spirit of comparison in him. He had a spirit of comparison in him. And in the midst of that also, he did run away. He denied. And as you just start going through the different parts of the heart, it can show up in us as to his disciples too. True? 
So one of the things I want to say when we're looking at that parable is this. I, don't believe, I believe we're supposed to assess our hearts with this parable, absolutely. I believe we're supposed to see that that crowd shows up and there's all kinds of different hearts in that crowd, absolutely. I also know this. He's doing something with this crowd because you know, as we, as we think about these things, Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, when he saw another crowd, he saw them as sheep without a shepherd that they were discouraged and distressed and his heart ached for them. So I'm confident that with this crowd, he wasn't going, well, what a bunch of misfits, you know? Look at those folks. No hope for them. That, I don't think he's doing that. I think what he's doing with every crowd is he's looking at them and it's a teaching opportunity for his disciples. So when we see a big crowd like this and Jesus would look upon this crowd, he would say, the sower went out to seed. Jesus being the sower. And what is he sowing? His word. And that word's going to hit different hearts in this crowd. And that word's going to be received differently. And as he's explaining it all, this illustration, this metaphor has come up all the way through the Old Testament. This, ha- this isn't anything new. He's referencing something. We do this with me. Turn back to Isaiah. So when I got saved at 22, I didn't know how to read the Bible. So somebody taught me if I go right to the middle of my Bible... So if you're new to the faith, go right to the middle of your Bible, and when you open it up, hey, Isaiah. Look at that. And then turn back to Isaiah chapter 6. Now, Dr. David Allen came out and spoke on Isaiah chapter 6 a couple years ago. But here's the deal. I'm going to read this, and I'm going I'm to ask you if you see something familiar from what we just read in Luke. Okay? Here we go. Verse 1, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called out to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out. While the temple was filling with smoke, then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lip your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. He said, Go and tell this people, keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull, their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. This is, in Luke chapter 8, this is nothing new. He's not coming up with a parable that he hasn't been saying since the garden. He breathed life into man. He took dust and formed man. He breathed life into man. And mankind rebelled against God. And do you remember what the curse was for man? Thorns and thistles are going to grow up from the dirt. 
you're going to work hard. It's going to be hard. The dirt has been a theme. Crops have been a theme all through the Old Testament. He's not preaching anything new here. You are a good man. <laughs> hey, it's their anniversary. Josh Lair was a part of gangs down in California, and he came up here to be a part of gangs up in Oregon. That was good. And then I got introduced to Josh in 1999. Josh knelt in prison in 2011, 2012, received Christ. Got out, came to our men's breakfast. There's a plug. Came to our men's breakfast the next week. And we were starting the most excellent way the week after that. And he has been a part of the most excellent way ever since and now is one of our leaders. He's teaching Monday night. His wife, Carly, started at the most excellent way. I will never forget the night where she, with tears, said, I now know I'm saved. That was fun. Life is precious. And we need to get this right, folks, because we don't have that many days left. So, thanks for the water. Here's the deal. <laughs> this has been a theme, and even in your notes, let me, I, I have in there, you know, why did he speak this, to this crowd? Jesus was referring them back to the scriptures. The theme of the garden and soils and harvest have been throughout the scripture, all the way back in Genesis forward. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 5, 3 through 7, it doesn't give you this, but I'll tell you, he speaks of the lack of good fruit from God's vineyard. In Jeremiah 4, 1 through 4, he speaks to the breaking up of fallowed ground. Don't sow thorns, he says. Get your heart right with the Lord, it says, in Jeremiah 4, 1 through 4. In Ezekiel 36, 22 through 36, he speaks to the fact that God one day will write his law on Israel's hearts, giving Israel a soft heart rather than a heart of stone. And then in Zechariah 7, 11 through 12, I'm going to read it for you but they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears from hearing. They made their hearts like flint so that they could not hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. This theme is nothing new. He has been saying to Israel, over and over and over again, rend your hearts to me, open your ears to me, open your hearts, let it soften. I have a purpose for you. It's to bear fruit in this world, Israel. But I'm going to send one, since you won't soften. I'm going to send one who's going to soften your hearts. And then Jesus is referring to all of this with this parable. And I'm confident it was so that the disciples would get something and understand something very clearly. It's not that Jesus was looking at this crowd and saying, what a bunch of screwed up hearts. Man, I'm really glad you guys have hidden insight. He's saying, I have great compassion on this crowd, and there are hardened hearts in this crowd, and there are shallow hearts in this crowd, and there are entangled hearts in this crowd, and I'm giving you the insight so that when I rise from the dead and you have the Spirit of God in you, you will reach them and not give up on them based off the type of heart you run across. That's why. Because I want to make their heart different. And the only way their heart's going to be different is if you, men and women, show up with the gospel 
they have no hope unless the gospel shows up. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried. And on the third day rose again, according to the scriptures. If, we, if they don't hear that, don't expect a hardened heart to get soft. Don't expect a shallow heart to all of a sudden be deep. And don't expect a thorny, you know, contaminated heart to all of a sudden be pure. They've got to hear the gospel. In Matthew chapter 9, 36 through 38, I referred, you know, referenced that earlier. Seeing the people, Jesus felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. I am confident that's the way he saw that crowd. And he's teaching his disciples, this isn't going to be easy, but I can change any heart. The picture of the soil and the hardening of it, or the shallowness of it, or the tainting of it, relating to its lack, it's all throughout Scripture. Hosea chapter 10, 12 through 13, I think this is in, in your notes. So with a view to righteousness, reap in accordance with kindness, break up your fallowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. You have plowed wickedness, you have reaped injustice, you have eaten the fruit of lies because you have trusted in your own way. That should have been highlighted, right? I got deceived the other day. Man, don't you hate that? Man, I hated that. I went to Weight Watchers in the... Our scale had told me I was 255 pounds for quite a few weeks. And I went in, and that Weight Watcher scale weighed me at 268. Do you know how discouraging that is? <laughs> to all of a sudden be 13 pounds behind when you, when you already thought you were too heavy? My scale lied to me. Lied to me. But you know what my problem was? Really? I mean, if we want to get down to it. I knew that scale was screwed up for a long time, you know. <laughs> I like, you know. Oh, that's good. It weighs me there. Doctor never says that. <laughs> so Lori and I started that. Pray for me. I want bacon. <laughs> because you trusted in your own way. I was willfully deceived. I let it happen. I had something telling me every day a lie, and I let it happen. And then there was a point where I went, okay, I got to quit l listening to this. <laughs> you know, like there's life and death at stake, Right? Like, you're 53, Matt. You best to get a handle on this type thing, right? So I, hey, folks, life is precious. And we don't have that many days left. And, and whatever's going on in here today with you, whatever's going on in here today with you, God's saying, I want it. I don't care, I don't care what it is. I, it can be hardened, shallow. It can be, it can be thorny. It can be soft. I want you. You're precious in my sight. And he wanted the disciples to get that. He wanted the disciples to understand that the goal of sowing seed is a harvest. Did you pick up on that in the text? The sower is Jesus. The seed is the word. And the expectation is that when it hits the right soil, there will be a harvest of a hundredfold. Did you catch that? What do you think the hundredfold's about? Souls. The hundredfold, the hundredfold is about Souls. Because life is precious to Jesus Christ, and he's looking at the crowd and going, souls, that's what I'm here for. How precious is a soul? Well, we did a celebration of life service yesterday for Brent Wheeler, who's a soul. 
He used to run around this church as a squirrely little rattler. Soul. How precious is a soul? We saw two people who were trapped in addiction, trapped in false religion. The gospel showed up and changed their hearts and their destinies. Did you see the look on Leslie's face? Is that fun or what? But you think about that. How precious is a soul? That's the whole point of this parable. That's the whole point of him wanting our hearts. Yes, he wants you, but he wants you so that you will reap a harvest of souls. Let's talk about these different hearts that show up. If you turn back with me to Luke chapter 8. Here's the different hearts that show up, and this is why it's going to be tough. This is why we can't give up on people. He's laying this out there. You know, we have the calloused heart, right? And, and when we get in there, as he's telling this parable, he, he, he says that there's some that fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. The birds of the air, they're a representative of, of satanic influence. And, and you'll see that throughout Scripture, this term, birds of the air. And oftentimes, most of the time, it has to do with Satan and his cronies showing up. It, it, it falls. This is satanic influence that keeps one from softening after the hearing of God's word. The person hears the word, but their heart is so hardened with indifference, possibly hostility, that when they hear the word, Satan immediately comes in and starts throwing darts, and because they're satanically influenced, he pulls it away from them. But here's the point. Can a person like that be saved? Yes. And by the way, the Marion County Sheriff that came and told me you, you were trying to get a message to me from that last time you got picked up. He's here. I know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna look at him, so nobody knows. <laughs> you could have hardened hearts that are indifferent to the gospel, and really, the only reason they're looking to religion is possibly they want to get out of something. If I show up to church, maybe I can get the pastor to pray for me, and then maybe I won't do as much time. Allegedly, that could happen. You could have indifference to the gospel because, listen, you grew up maybe in a Christian family and you did not get treated right, and I'm sorry if that's happened to you. But that doesn't knock Jesus off the throne. He still loves you. You start thinking about these things. Hey, disciples, I'm throwing seed, and this isn't going to be easy. Some of these people are going to be hard to love. Will you keep doing it? Mary Magdalene's over there. She was a hard case. God loves all kinds, right? You know what can really harden people's hearts really badly? Is religion. Getting religious. Like having your rules, like in Christianity that you have, but maybe it's like extra biblical type rules, but also in the midst of that, not being patient with people as God's trying to grow them up. Like because last time I checked in scripture, you got milk drinkers all the way to solid food eaters. Like, and you're on that growth pattern somewhere in there. But really good religious people can get really frustrated with the milk drinkers and give up on them really quick. But last time I checked, the last commandment to us was go and make disciples. So for all of us, we should be going, well, the disciple-making process is taking somebody who's an absolute infant in Christ, on cue, and (laughs) thank you. And in the midst of that, saying, I got to help this person grow up not condemn them because they struggle as a newborn, 
I told you why I, my little trick of finding Isaiah, I still do that. Because somebody was discipling me and cared enough to see that I was stumbling around trying to find stuff as you guys are all flying around in your Bibles, you know? And I'm like, I don't, well, you know what? <laughs> where is that at? I don't, Isaiah, you know? I thought that was my friend in high school. Here's the deal. The, 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 the key is we have to look at this and go, wait, we got we to gotta help people grow up. If we can have a religious hardened heart and look at people wrong, just saying. The disciples needed to understand this, and they needed to yield to Christ. And so when this harvest happens, that they'll stay softened towards people who are hard to love. But then you can have the cowardice heart, the shallow heart, right? You see that in the text? You know, when, you, when he brings up that, he's saying, uh, others fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture, and then, and then down below, the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. And this could be a person who really was trying to try out religion, hoped that it would do something different in them, but they never truly yielded to the Spirit of God. And so the Spirit of God's not producing fruit. It's them trying to earn it. Like, it's that, that bowl of fruit when you go in, oh, bowl of fruit. You run over there, and it's all wax. You're like, oh. You know, it's like they're trying really hard, but it's not real because they haven't truly yielded their heart to Christ. It's, I'm trying out religion. And so when they hear the gospel, they receive it with joy, because like, oh, God loves me? Awesome, God loves me. But you know what you see sometimes from folks, like in this, in this particular heart, and this is why we have to be patient with people, is they come in, and they're, on, they're so on fire for God, they start looking around and judging everybody else, like, you're not as fire as I am. I read my Bible every day. And you're not growing up the way I grow up. And then they get hit with persecution, or they get hit with trial, or they fall to temptation, and they say, well, where was God in that? And they're out the door. Because it was all their flesh and their pride trying to puff themselves up in their religion, and when tough times came, it wasn't the Spirit of God giving them strength because of lack of moisture. That's the reference. The Holy Spirit, springs of water that flow within them. Jesus brought this up at the woman at the well. This lack of moisture, the Spirit of God wasn't the one doing it, and all of a sudden, boom, they're out the door. And you know who these folks turn into? Really hostile people back to the church. I tried out Christianity. I hate those folks. You know what happened to me in that church? You ever run into those folks? The shallow soil is just as unproductive as the hardened soil, and we're supposed to be just as patient and loving towards them, and kind, and gentle, and try to show them who Christ really is in the midst of their shallowness. Disciples, you got to understand, this isn't going to be easy. But that's on a productive soil, so you're going to have to keep working the soil. Well, the shallowness that keeps one from bearing fruit after hearing God's word then is followed in the text by the contaminated heart, the world chokes out any potential for harvest. Worldly ensnarement that keeps one from, being, from bearing fruit after hearing of the word. They fall in love with the world. First John 2 speaks to that. You know, don't love the world or things of the world. The love of the Father is not in you. But, but in the midst of this, they, 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 I asked the men. I'll, I'll, I'll shift gears here. I said, what, why is this term choke so significant? So I'll ask you that. Not in your own minds. Think, think amongst yourselves. In the very beginning, God formed man out of the dust, and then what did he do with man? 
He breathed life into man. He breathed into him the breath of life. This term choked can be a very slow process that begins to take the wind of the breath of life out of man and they no longer look to their creator. This is just as unproductive. This will leave somebody entangled and snared in the thorns and not moving and slowly choking out their life. Ever seen that in your garden? Blackberries start coming up where you really want to plant something. You planted something else and those weeds start to come out. We got given one raspberry bush by a couple from Temecula, California. They gave it. We drove it all the way back to Oregon, put it in there. And do you know that raspberries can become a weed? Like, we have a raspberry patch, but those things are coming up in our lawn, up our deck. They're coming out everywhere. And I like raspberries. I really do. But not that much. <laughs> but you can't grow anything else in that raspberry patch. I, w I wouldn't be able to do it. It would just take over this particular very aggressive raspberry bush. Um, Lori, we should kill that thing. <laughs> After we pick the berries. Thank you. But there's no harvest from this soil either. That's the point. The thorns choke it all out. And the insidiousness of the term choke is it can be a very slow process and you don't even know it's happening. Because we start getting entangled in the things of this world. We start looking at the worries that happen every day, the pleasures of this life, the comforts. It turns to selfishness and it gets our eyes off the harvest. It gets our eyes off of souls. It puts us in a position of looking at ourselves and saying, I like it here. And that is something that's going to make me uncomfortable. And disciples, you're going to be dealing with this heart, and you need to be very patient with people, and you need to come alongside these folks. He who has an ear, let him hear, is what Jesus cried out. Because he then says, I can change any heart. So in the text, he says, but a good heart, right? As you go back, other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great souls. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And the, the, it says there later, but the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest, good heart, hold it fast, and bear fruit with perseverance. How's your heart this morning? Because the hearing of the word of God you know, this ends up being a repentant person whose heart is soft, deep, and pure. Now, I'm kind of simple. If you just take the opposite of what the other ones were, you know, hardened, soft, right? Shallow, deep, entangled, you know, contaminated, pure. That's what we want, right? That's what we want. I watched Dr. David Allen, who came here just a few weeks ago, preach a message to 5,000 pastors. And in, he, he looked at them all and he says, I can tell you how close to God you are Ma'am, you right there, I can tell you how close to God you are. You in the balcony, I can tell you how close to God you are. You back there walking along there, I can tell you how close to God you are. And you say, well, that's arrogant. No, it's a pretty good answer. He says, as close as you want to be. That's how close you are. We're as deep as we want to be. We're as soft as we want to be. We're as entangled as we want to be. And disciples, love the sheep. Don't give up on them. Continue to come alongside with the word and don't ever stop preaching the word because my word will change hearts.
holding tightly to God's promises is what he wants us to do. Persevering in his strength is what he wants us to do. Bearing much fruit for his glory is what he wants us to do. Amen? So the question setting out of here is this. Is there anything you are willfully deceived over? Is there anything that you're letting yourself, like my scale in my bathroom, right? Okay? That you're letting yourself actually you know that you need to take care of it, but you haven't. Take care of it. Here's the beauty of our Savior. Hebrews chapter 4, 12 through 16. I tell you guys all the time, I can't like preach without bringing this up, right? Because it's so important. He says this. He is a great high priest who sympathizes with your weaknesses so that you might come with confidence to the throne of grace to find grace and mercy to help in your time of need. He is not leaving any of us with that thing in our life saying, oh man, you've just got no options. Satan's going to take it away. You're just too shallow. Boy, those thorns are bad. That's not it. He's saying, if you come right to me right now, today, and you say, this is it. I see it. Lord, I call it what it is. It's sin. I'm missing the mark. Thank you for dying for that. Thank you for loving me. I want this heart. He says he'll give it to you. Period. Do you believe that? Man, folks, I'm telling you right now, this preaching this, I didn't sleep much last night. I'm working through my own stuff right up every day. I'm looking at things. I don't know if you guys can relate to this. Like, God saved me, but he left some stupid in here. All right? So... But the bottom line is, every day, we're going before the Lord to the throne of grace about different things. You with me? How about this? We do it, and we don't let it get so ensnared in us, we become shallow or hardened, okay, that we take it to the throne of grace the way it really is. Good? Can you thank God today that your life is bearing fruit for his glory? Here's the thing I'm going to... So we're going to start this most excellent way group over in West Salem, Lord willing, right? In October, that's the plan. And if any of you have not been a part of what we're doing on Monday nights but you know you come from addiction, whatever that looks like, okay? And you're saying, man, I know what God did for me. When Christ set me free, I am free indeed. I'm a new creation. I'm a new person in Christ. I am that because of what God did. Then you're a great candidate to be able to come and serve and help us as we launch with a little church of 60 people, a group. And if you guys have been out in West Salem much, you know that, that there's a certain area called Felony Flats, okay, that, that, that West Salemites call that. I can say that because I used to, I ran that Figaro's over in West Salem for a lot of years. We were down, my wife grew up in, in, in West Salem. And actually, yeah, we won't talk about felony flats. Sorry about that. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm kidding. It's a joke. But here's the deal. We're going to go right into where people need the gospel to show up. Because this church is like right in the middle of felony flats. And we're going to start a most excellent way. So if you're saying, I want to be a part of that, Come talk to us. Talk to Josh. Talk to me. Talk to Matt and Sarah. Talk to the, our wives. Talk to Carly. Talk to Lori. You know, talk to, you know, uh, Matt's future wife, Anna, right? Oh, look. Their wedding is coming up too, by the way. Pray for them, right? Yeah. Next year we'll be doing, uh, you're going to stand up and I'll go, hey, anniversary. All right. <laughs> there are so many opportunities for us to bear fruit. And wherever you come from, whatever your background, whatever God's done for you is how we relate to people. But the gospel is what they need to hear. True? So I'm going to say, as Group Connect's coming up, there's great opportunities to get plugged in. There's so many different ministry opportunities here at this church. Um, but there's, there's some great opportunities coming up for us to help other churches to meet people in the midst of their addiction. I'm going to encourage you folks to be praying for us, please, as those things launch. But also, if you're saying in your heart, uh, yeah, I want to talk to you more about that. Because I want to, I want to see harvest. 
there's lots of opportunities besides the most excellent way to see that happen. Good? Let's pray together. Father, awesome, holy, perfect God in heaven, thank you so much for this morning and these folks and for the opportunity to be able to bring the word. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the hearts and the minds of us who are here today as we've gotten into your word. Your word says it, that it will not come back void. It will always bring forth what you want it to. So we thank you for that promise, and I pray that for every one of us as we walk out of here. I pray, Father, that as, as the days unfold and we have opportunities, that you'll walk us into the good works that you have prepared beforehand with whatever hearts we interact with. If they don't know Jesus Christ personally, Lord, please, may we be ready to give a defense for the faith that is within us. And then for our hearts daily, that we would be those who could run to the throne of grace every day over everything, knowing that you want to hear from us. So thank you, Lord. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.